Hey there, and welcome. This is the Skins Podcast, produced by the Facade Tectonics Institute. With invited industry thought leaders, we take on all things building skin. Hey, Facade Geeks. This is Mick Patterson with the Facade Tectonics Institute, and welcome to the Skins Podcast. 118 authors managed to navigate a blind peer review process, many for the first time, administered by the Institute's Scientific, Artistic, and Technical Review Committee. Four of these papers were selected by committee chairs, Professors Noble and Kensick at the University of Southern California School of Architecture. We'll be interviewing these authors over the next four weeks leading up to the World Congress, where all 118 papers will be presented. The presentation sessions are the centerpiece of Facades Month, August 2020, and will take place on consecutive Wednesdays in August, with additional workshops held on Thursdays. So please join us in celebrating these authors and supporting the Institute. It's going to be a great event with abundant learning opportunities in our pursuit of lifelong learning. There are some absolutely great papers in the mix. I'm witness to that. I've seen them. For more details and to register, visit facadetectonics.org or reach out to us at events at facadetectonics.org or simply use the links included in the show notes. So let's jump into an interview. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Roman Schieber, Associate Director of Nippers Helbig, uh, one of the one of the four authors that was uh, one of the four uh, one of the authors of the four papers that were picked as the best of the 118 papers that were uh, accepted uh, as a result of the blind peer review process for the upcoming World Congress. Uh, congratulations on that, Roman. It's nice to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for um, having me here. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's it's great to have you here, make and talk about the Academy Museum today. Yeah, uh, the paper is titled The Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, Los Angeles, or I should say LA, as the, the formal title of the paper says. Um, a lot of uh, interest about this project. Um, there's been a lot of compelling imagery. Uh, it's going to be interesting to hear the inside story on this project. Looking forward to hearing about it. Uh, congratulations, Roman, on the you know the paper being selected. Um, so let me let, let's start out. Why don't you give us a, sort of an overview from thirty thousand feet of the project and what it was about. So the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, um, that's a museum uh, which is, uh, is becoming the world's first museum and event space devoted to the motion picture. So it's basically a 1,000-seat uh, theater and the actual museum. And there's basically two parts. There's one existing building, the formerly called uh, Mako building, which is now the Saban building, and the actually iconic sphere, which was mainly our part uh, of the project. And um, yeah, so... There's there's two parts of the sphere, right? Part of it is a, like a concrete uh, dome part, and then your part is uh, the... Um, highly transparent structure uh, that is at the top. Is that is that how it works? 
Yes, exactly. So there's this existing building, there's the new building, which basically sits on some base isolators. There's three linking bridges between the existing building and the new building, which are also quite interesting. Maybe we can touch on that as well. But our job was mainly to design engineer the uh, the steel glass canopy, which is yeah basically the upper part of the yeah the sphere. Right. So uh, so why don't you continue right in uh, to describing the the structural system itself of the of the. The, the part, the transparent yeah, part right. that you, you guys did. Yeah, we, we were, we, we joined the project team, I think in late 2014. And from day one, we were supposed to design and engineer a highly transparent, lightweight steel glass structure together with the architects, Renzo Piano from uh, Genoa. And also Gensler was the executive architect. Uh, they were also involved from, from the beginning. And um, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, the end result is a highly transparent grid shell structure. It's a shell structure, means we have a pretty large span, um, and it's a single uh, single layer structure. Everything is made of uh, four inch uh, steel tubes. What is what is relatively thin for a hundred fifty uh, feet diameter dome structure, and this only works when you. Yeah, when you do a highly efficient structure, and this was done with a steel grid, which is reinforced by uh, a cable system, by twin cables, and uh, yeah, makes it a shell structure. So when you look at when you look at the project, you see that it's it's not a full sphere, but it's basically cut in the north and in the south. What is kind of uh, yeah weakening the system there. Um, yeah, but in the end, this is these were just challenges, and we added a couple of um, yeah features like bracing cables towards the ends um, to yeah get these challenges solved. Those are um, openings uh, in, in the at the base of the structure, right? Yes. So there's the there's basically an equator. The the dome is cut is cut on the on the equator height, and it's cut in the north and in the in the south, uh, creating yeah. There's there's this this nice terrace on top of the the concrete uh, structure, uh, and offers yeah amazing views over the city towards yeah Hollywood Hills. You can say um, that's it's pretty nice up there. And uh, the cano- the canopy is a canopy. It's um, it's not a not a, a thermal envelope, but it's still protecting against rain. It's it provides thermal comfort until a certain level. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 basically something in in between a full facade and just a steel glass structure. It's a yeah canopy. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting the way I don't even know how to describe it. The uh, there are members the, the the primary structure runs north south is it the four inch diameter tubes run north south and they're they are uh um, yeah they run in parallel planes yeah right? it, it, and it then looks, 
it, it looks it looks very simple from uh, from first sight, but in the end, it's a it's a highly complex geometry. The architectural uh, concept from from um, uh, Renzo Piano's office was to cut the sphere basically in discs from the top, strictly following uh, east-west and north-south direction. So um, cutting in east-west direction creates these. Um, I mean, when you cut a sphere uh, in strict discs, you first of all create arc segments but in the third dimension this is basically a twisting geometry what creates uh, some headache <laughs> or challenges when you when you start developing the actual geometry and uh, the third dimension of, of the the structure right so uh why don't you describe now the 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 uh glazing or actually the the let's talk about the cable system for a minute because uh, it's a it's a redundant double cable strategy like I've seen often used in uh, in these kind of tension type structures, and it includes your your uh, paper describes uh, the the system in in really great detail. Actually, all of the the stuff. I mean, this is one of the great things about this paper that you've, you 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 uh, have put together with Florian Meyer, your uh, co-author here. But it's it's very uh, a very a great description of this project which is something that uh, is often lacking in these kind of projects we don't really get a good you know get good insight like you've given us here on this structure so i highly recommend this uh, paper to our listeners um the uh the the system descriptions that, that you do uh are great and you describe the cable system at some length, and you talk about the clamping mechanism, which I think were drop forged uh, clamps, and the the way uh, the the critical aspect and the testing that you had to do on the grip of the uh, of the of the clamps on the cables so they don't slip because of the you know the, the the deflection of the structures depending on this. Uh, you know, this clamping force. Yeah, first of all, there's really sophisticated engineering in the background and the, the tension force in every single cable is is precisely designed and engineered um, and changes uh, from the left to the right all over the sphere. It changes all the, all the time. There's, there's basically never the same force in the cable. And this is it's meant to be like that. It has to be like that. Um, and it, I mean, it starts with a with a with a pre-tensioning process. Maybe I should go, uh, get one step back and talk a bit about how the whole thing is, is actually built. And then I'm com- coming back to your question to to these clamping details. I mean, first of all, we have a first of all we we have a, a more or less rectangular steel grid, which which has been installed from from the base to the top has been uh, attached to the to the solid structure with some special details uh, it's it it basically sits uh, during during construction during installation it it, it was sitting on on a full uh, scaffold um, each scaffold had a yeah a, a laser measured um, a point support precisely controlling the geometry until the yeah, and, and and so the steel grid was installed until it has has had a precise geometry and the cables were installed in a second step basically the cables first were installed in the first direction and the second direction direction loose loose without uh, a tension force it was still sitting on the on the scaffold and the pretension force had to be um 
yeah, add it to the system in a 100% symmetric way. When you pull on the left and don't pull on the right, basically you are distorting the sphere. So this is a, a big risk. So this was uh, also designed and engineered together with Gartner, the facade contractor, step by step. Um, and then the cable clamps had to be fixed and then the, the 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 force in the cables basically had to yeah was was frozen the scaffold had to be released or was released in the second step before the actual installation of glass started you should you should maybe know that the weight of the glass is yeah pretty much exactly twice as much as the yeah the self weight of the steel structure means by adding the glass you're Again, once again, you are distorting the steel grid. You are changing the forces in the cables, and this is this is a process which had to be tracked during installation. Um, I, I, for example, I remember when when I was on site, uh, I, I found some cables which were just slacked during installation of class. What was a bit scary, to be honest, <laughs> but it had to be like that because when you have asymmetric forces on the dome um, it just distorts and later when the the installation of glass goes on uh, yeah it gets into the right geometry and the forces are going back into the yeah where they should be and the, the yes, cable clamps played, played a, a, an important role and had to be tested so the, is the, the the glazing system is a secondary system right it's lifted off of the primary structure of the dome right right there's a there's the steel grid as the steel grid as described the structural steel grid um, then there's some upstands which uh, can be uh, yeah so, which can be turned up and down to adjust some tolerances and there's a secondary system which is curved T profiles which are curved uh, on the lower end and um, polygonal on the upper end and uh, glazed um, with a RICO system from the top. The glass is basically two sides supported. The glass is shingled means basically the upper glass is overlapping the lower glass. What is also not not very easy in terms of waterproofing when you imagine there's a second drainage layer which is stepping all a couple of uh, feet um, but and the glass is two sides supported so we had relatively high safety standards and we also did some testing on the glass we tested the residual capacity of the glass in in case of of breakage we used a, a Saflex structural interlayer um, for for the glass just to have a higher safety standard and also to reduce the risk of um, delamination in case uh, the exposed glass edge is, is getting wet for example mm -hmm. so were uh, were other um Structural schemes considered at all, or was this uh, basically the scheme dictated by the architect's design, or how did that work? Uh, it, it was really from day one that we said uh, we, we would do a, a single layer um, yeah, system. We have worked with, with Renzo Piano before on a few other projects. So um, we, we uh, during, you know, you know, when you get involved in, in a project, you talk about concepts and strategies. So uh, it, it was relatively clear in which direction we would go. It's I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the details in the system and everything was clear from the beginning, but at least the strategy was was clear uh, from the beginning. So it's a it's a strategy that has some precedent. You guys have uh, it was a familiar strategy. 
Yeah, we worked on the Pick and Kloppenburg uh, uh, flagship store with RPPW in, in Cologne before, which also uses. Um, yeah, it's, there's some some curved timber beams involved, but it's also a, a twin cable structure, also with some cable clamps, a similar system, you can say. And uh, yes, there's some uh, some references and some relation between between both projects. Of course, both are quite different, but for in terms of structural system, there are some similarities. Yes. People, give me just a few seconds here. I want to talk about Shuko USA the door window and facade system provider of Shuko products here in North America, featuring German engineering made in America. Operating Shuko doors and windows is like operating a high-performance German automobile. Quite satisfying. Shuko's diverse window, door, and facade systems not only provide best-in-class thermal and acoustical performance, but are tested and certified in accordance with AMA, NFRC, ADA, UL, and Miami-Dade hurricane standards. With literally unbeatable thermal and acoustical performance, they even have window systems that meet demanding passive house standards. Check out a Shuko thermal break sometime and compare it with the competition. Their network of trained and certified glazing contractors ensures that their systems are properly installed, commissioned, and serviced. If you design or specify facade systems and components, you need to know Shuko. Hi, I'm Mark Jacobson, market manager for Carrari. Trosifol, part of the Carrari Group, is a leading global producer of Trosifol PVB and Sentryglass Ionoplast interlayers for laminated safety glass applications in the architectural, automotive, and photovoltaic industries. Trosifol offers the world's broadest portfolio of innovative glass laminating solutions, including structural and functional interlayers for safety and security applications, sound insulation, and UV protection. For decorative applications, Trosifol supplies colored interlayers, digitally printable films, and other innovative products for interior design projects. Our ultra-clear films exhibit the lowest yellowness index in the industry. Many innovative projects that include Trosifol interlayers can be found in our laminated glass news, which is accessible through our website, www.trosifol.com. Look us up the next time you have a challenging laminated glass application in your project. So uh, your paper also discusses um, some key elements of the fabrication strategy. Can you talk a little bit about that, Roman? I mean, I, I read about, I, I remember reading about uh, ladder assemblies uh, and that kind of thing. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit? I mean, first of all, um, yes, we had uh, Gartner as the facade contractor, um, so they were they were joining the team um, at a certain point, and uh, the steel was not directly fabricated by them. They uh, used signum steel in the Czech Republic um, to, for fabrication of the steel, but the entire steel structure had been been pre-assembled in the workshop. Uh, it, the geometry was checked with templates to be sure that uh, the yeah that there's no surprises on site. So it was basically clear that yeah the geometry is perfect because the system is 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 almost not allowing for any tolerances there's some a tolerance adjustment between the, sec the the structural steel layer and the secondary glazing layer but uh, between the prefabricated steel ladders there's a zero tolerance uh, approach there's machined uh, surfaces and it just must f fit perfectly together uh, yeah so 
no no chance to fix it on site <laughs> yeah so if so they were they were assembled uh, uh, at the fabricator uh, in the Czech Republic and then disassembled and sent to the site and then reassembled as ladder frames and then lifted into place is that have yes, exactly. Right? They, they have been put into overseas containers, but not totally uh, dismantled or, or put into single pieces, but um, yeah, leather, leather pieces with relatively large segments, um, two curved steel me- members next to each other, the secondary uh, steel members already pre-assembled, the gaskets already on the system. So as we, we, we typically call it a semi-unitized approach when we do such steel facades or steel structures. But the unitization is actually done on site, right? Yeah, the assembly, yeah, the assembly was done uh, on site and the glazing was installed in a second step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and also, interestingly, the, your role as, um, you know, uh, your design and engineering role for Knepper Selbig was uh, you guys actually did, you, you actually acted as engineer of record, right? It, what, that wasn't handed off to the, the, um, the contractor in this case. Gartner did not do that. You guys were responsible for that. Am I correct? Yeah, that's that's quite unique. Typically, when when we uh, work as facade consultants, let's be honest, we, we do a preliminary design. It's always like, yeah, let's let's get it on the market, see how the re- market responds, and then you get some feedback. Contractors try to do it. Uh, usually want to change a few things. Typically, you are okay. You try to get a good price for the owner. In this case, it was a bit different because we never never really handed over the engineering to the facade contractor. Um, so Gartner, of course, had to think into um, the, the, the yeah, installation sequences and things like that. But we did the final engineering. So, um, yeah, we can say that we basically did everything from the first concept sketches together with the architects to the uh, last uh, weld seams, which has have been um, engineered and calculated in our office. Yeah. So there was what drove that strategy, Roman. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We we as said we had a relationship with Renzo Piano, um, and uh, the 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 client rep was Peritus Group from New York. Uh, we were we we know them from the Miami Art Museum where we have been involved. So there was a relationship, and good for us, good for the project. They they trusted us, and uh, it was a cre- basically yeah agreed from day one that we got this role. And um, I, looking back, it, it was definitely a good thing. We had almost no design changes during this process. There was no um, n- no loss between when I mean when you hand over a project, there's always uh, people start doing th- things uh, things again, or you hand over drawings and someone starts from scratch doing new drawings. <laughs> this this never happened. So we also handed over geometry to Gartner, who used this as a basis for their fabrication um, design and so on. So that was a was good there, thing. Was there was there a lot of collaboration during your the development of your uh, design with Gartner? Yes, basically yes. I mean, the the first two years there was no contractor on board, so I mean, uh, un- until a certain level, we de- developed the whole thing without having a contractor in the background. Uh, but when Gartner came on board, there was, of course, a lot of meeting and coordination. Uh, f- and so it was, yeah, it, it was never like um, 
su surprises that the contractor says, yeah, we cannot do that or so because they had the chance relatively early during the bidding process. When we presented the project, they had the chance to uh, say they, yeah, if, if they, if they would, would have done it in a different way. And uh, yeah, that worked out quite well. I can just recommend it for the future. And uh, for, for, for the owner, it just means, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't mean that they have to spend more money for uh, a facade consultant or an engineer. They just have to spend some money earlier and have to spend less money later on the, on the engineering. But you have um, yeah, a certain safety level in the design earlier in the process, cost safety. So, again, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. So we have a little bit of time left, Roman. Uh, can you give us? You, you mentioned that the bridges were quite interesting too. Can you give us a brief overview of the uh, the bridges? Yes, of course. Which, which for, you guys the, also designed the bridges, right? Um, yes, I mean for the, for the bridges, I must say that we developed the concept together um, with uh, the architects and other parties involved, and we handed the bridges. We handed over uh, after CD phase. Bureau Hubble took over, and Gardner did some, uh, I think, design assist and did the final engineering. Uh, on them and there was some uh, also some we on the bridges to be honest but the interesting thing is that the bridges span between the existing uh, building which has a traditional foundation and the new building which uh, is space isolated and there's uh, an, in, in a seismic event there's a, a, a 28 differential movement between both buildings in all directions means there's huge movements and the bridges are made of steel and glass and had to accommodate these uh, these movements. So we we developed expansion joints out of steel and glass, which were able to accommodate, uh, yeah, these 28, 28 inches. The bridges on one side had a had a hinge connection. They had a kind of pop up detail, uh, which were just yeah, which were popping up in a in a this 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 movement events and to make it even more complicated one bridge was suspended from the other bridge <laughs> so um yeah at, at a certain time we i think we had even more drawings and details for the bridges than for for the actual dome and uh, it was yeah they, they created more headache <laughs> than the dome in the at least in the in the design development phase yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, where, where are you now, Robin? Oh, interesting question. I'm actually right now. I'm in Stuttgart due to uh, Corona virus. I'm uh, I cannot travel to the US. But typically, I'm I'm just traveling between our Stuttgart office and our New York office. Uh, at the moment, I have to do a couple of things uh, just remote from here. Uh, also, interesting. We just had. Uh, yeah, a, a punch walk on site virtually done last week in Syracuse, upstate New York. <laughs> so no, no some, someone had had to go there, and we were just sitting two guys here in our Stuttgart office in front of the computer and did a site visit and had to write uh, a field report later. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, you're probably better off stuck in Stuttgart than in New York City. You know, it's, uh, it's yeah. Been I mean, tough the, in New York City. the the borders in Europe are open at the moment. Uh, it's it's really almost normal everything here. And yeah, to be honest, I 
prefer being here at the moment <laughs> than yeah. uh, than yeah. in the US. Um, but I'm I'm very optimistic that thing, things will get better soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're all uh, we're all fighting for our optimism at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you during the course of this project, you must have spent some time in LA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was there was I mean uh, there was also a kind of transition between the we had a, a really intense um, concept phase, design phase where we were yeah mainly doing the work more here in our office in Germany. We were traveling to Genoa many many times, which is where we can just drive by car. And later when it it went towards uh, CD phase or construction administration, and so we handed it basically uh, over to our New York office. And um, yes, I was in, in in LA a couple of times for site visits and, and coordination meetings. But our colleagues and mainly uh, Florian Meyer, who was the co-author of this paper, um, went to on site all all couple of weeks. So we were closely following the installation process. Uh, until the very did end. You, uh, did you enjoy your time in LA? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's always worth a trip. And yeah, typically I was I was staying somewhere in Venice or so <laughs> when I went there. And uh, yeah, it's it's always nice or travel there on a on a Saturday and uh, spend the sum, uh, the Sunday somewhere uh, at the beach before doing business on Monday, Tuesday, and so on. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Always nice. Well, we're excited about doing our, our uh, we, you know, we had to make the decision. We postponed the March. The, the World Congress is supposed to be conducted in March, and we postponed it until August uh, and thought a lot and talked to a lot of our people about whether we should postpone it again because it became clear we weren't going to be able to, to hold the, you know, in-person uh, live event uh, in August and ultimately decided to take it to a virtual event, um, which is, you know, starting, I think August 5th, uh, and we're excited about that, but disappointed, uh, that we can't get everybody together in Los Angeles because it's really been fun in the past when we've done that. No beach in August, but a virtual meeting. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> next right. time. Next time again. <laughs> but I, I do look forward to uh, the presentation of your paper that you'll be doing. At yeah, the I'm, uh, no, I'm really looking forward to this event. It's always great to see how people from all over the world are coming together, presenting their work. Um, it's always always interesting. Always news. Always great projects. Great people. Uh, highly recommended to join. Yeah. Well, the, part of that is, you know, is uh, is Nippers Helbig and the work that you guys do is is uh, you know definitely a contributing part of that. It's and this project is is uh, is a great example of that. It's a very interesting project. Is is the project open now? Uh, what what is the status, Roman? Uh, the the steel glass part is is done. Uh, we can say a few minor punch list items still open, but the grand opening is scheduled for late this year. I think December twenty twenty uh, is the grand opening scheduled for for then. Nobody knows what what happens with coronavirus, but this is still the plan at the moment. And yeah. I'm, I'm quite optimistic because things are just done now. Well, I'm going to have to uh, scheme on getting myself in there. I really look forward to seeing this project. 
So listen, Roman, I want to thank you so much. Congratulations again on uh, your paper being selected. Um, and thank you so much for writing the paper, uh, making this great contribution uh, to the literature. Uh, it's a great case study. Uh, much appreciated. And thanks so much for spending this time with us uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners really appreciate it. No problem at all. It was my pleasure. And uh, see you virtually on the Wend in August. Make was a pleasure. And thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs>